Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello, everyone. Dave. Hello. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with good things. So, Craig, tell me a good thing. There has to be one good thing that exists right now, right? There is. So, uh, big news as of the time of this recording uh, actually just happened a bit more than 10 minutes ago that the SpaceX Dragon capsule has successfully um, splashed down off the uh, coast of Florida. With two astronauts on board, so they had a nice, successful trip. America's launching people in space, baby. That's a good thing. This is a good thing. Space exploration is a good thing. Um, they actually Muppets. showed some some views of what the astronauts see inside the capsule, and it looks so... Like, I, I don't know if you guys have seen, like, the inside of the space shuttle and everything, but this looks nice and modern. It's not, like, archaic, so... They have uh, the dragon capsule is pretty cool. So hopefully they can do some good things with it and we'll, we'll have to see where it goes. But it was a success. They did the thing. And everyone listening to this in the future is like, eh, that's old news. But, you know, it's a good thing right now. Well, I watched the uh, the dragon launch live uh, several. I don't know how time works anymore, but weeks <laughs> ago, I think it was I don't back know. in May was the launch. So then, yes. I watched that and, live. That was fun. And to go along with my good thing, it's nice that NASA broadcast on Twitch. Like, that's my platform of choice. And just being able, like, we don't have TV here. We don't own a TV package at all. Uh, the only way I'm going to be able to see these things is on the Internet. And they're on Twitch. I can just tune in and watch the thing. And they've been broadcasting, like, pretty much for the past, I don't know, 24 hours or so. They've They've been talking about everything having experts come in to describe the thing and it's like it's right there like right at my fingertips i can just watch and people will emote stupid things but that's okay i can just ignore that and watch watch the thing on twitch on twitch so if you have not done so follow nasa on twitch if you're interested in in space stuff uh i assume esa has a similar thing i think they will occasionally show things from them as well like when they did the um uh Far Horizons, is that it? Shoot, I forget the name. The thing that went to Pluto, the the satellite that went to the Pluto to take pictures and stuff. And now we have we have an accurate picture of Pluto, guys. It used to be a little blip. New Horizons, yeah. What did I say? Far Horizons. Now <laughs> it's a, a yellow dog owned but, by uh, a cartoon mouse. When when we were born, Pluto was a smudge on like a speck of a picture. But now we see it has a heart for us. Like, that's it's so cool. And it's also a not a planet. planet anymore. But whatever. That's <laughs> fine. It's still an astronomical body. And that is cool. So, yeah. Space I, space I in general, I am. I am a huge fan of, like, space exploration. But wait, if you like uh, space while you're talking about Pluto, matter is the literal opposite of space. But Pluto is in space in relation to us. <laughs> it's all relative, Everything's man. in some space, Craig. It's all relative. All well, right. need to be relative to get there in your lifetime. Dave, what's your good thing? 
My good thing is the latest Windows 10 update. I'm just kidding. Uh, my good thing. <laughs> wow. My good thing Twist this week. Twist the knife a little bit. <laughs> is a, a YouTube channel of two brothers that do video game covers. It's called Super Guitar Brothers. And uh, the younger brother also has a channel, Sam Griffin Guitar. And they do really nice covers on classical guitar, just the two of them or the one of them, if it's Sam Griffin. Uh, I think I first found out about them because they were part of a compilation album I heard on Spotify. I want to say it was Chronicles of Time Chrono Trigger remix album or something like that. But uh, yeah, really nice covers of video game music. If you like the classical guitar, no plugs, just their mugs, you know, guitars. That's and they another just... thing I didn't realize would happen as a kid. Good video game cover music. I didn't even think that would be a thing when I was a kid. Yeah, you don't even have to bring up the password screen on Faxanadu to hear the best <laughs> version of your favorite song. Uh, but anyway, Super Guitar Heroes, they just, re- or I'm sorry, Super Guitar Brothers, they were Super Guitar Bros. They just released a 30 plus minute medley of Ocarina of Time, just classical guitar duet. Pretty nice. I will. I will second your good thing there. Uh, I also like those guys. They're they're really good, and they do great covers. Validation. Neat. Uh, my favorite Tory validation was my garlic and a and a pre peeled garlic. Good thing. That was my man. Favorite. I tell you, it's life changing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my good thing this week is what we do in the shadows, uh, specifically the TV show. There's also a movie. The movie's also excellent. Um, but I uh, have just started the second season of the TV show. And if you've seen the movie, it's the same basic concept of like a camera crew follows around actual vampires. Um, but it's different vampires and they do different stuff. And it's still pretty good if you liked the movie. If you didn't like the movie, you will not like the show. It's the same thing, but more. Two questions. One, um, Jermaine Clement is in the show, but was not in the movie, but was involved in the writing for the movie, as I understand it. Is that correct? No, he's in the movie. Is he in the? Yeah. Okay. He's he's All only right. he's only in one episode of the show that I'm aware of, which is the uh, okay. season finale of season one. All right. And second, and the most important question of all, does the TV show have Reese Darby? I don't he know who the, that is. He was the werewolf leader in the movie. And is Mary on Flight of the Concords? I don't know. Mm. Because I don't know who that is, so I don't have a face to attach to a name. Uh, My good thing next week is Reese Darby. (laughs) But, okay. Someone has to know. Maybe Imbedebe knows. Um, But, yeah, it it follows three vampires who live in a house in Staten Island. And their vampiring-ness and also one of them has a familiar who is a major character, and yeah, it's a whole thing. It's fun. But, like, watch the movie first to even know if you'll like it, because, yeah, it's... You're going to like it if you like the movie. If you didn't like the movie, you, you for sure will not like the show. <laughs> uh, so, Tori, what's your good thing this week? Fresh garden veggies. Uh, so... My husband's parents, they live on, uh, well, we, we jokingly say they live on a ranch. Uh, they have a lot of land out in the middle of nowhere. They used to keep cows. Now they don't. Uh, they 
there are still cows present because they rent out the land to some other farmer who keeps cows on it. Um, but they have a big veggie garden and this year it was really abundant. And so we went over for lunch the other day and we had this tomato and red onion salad that was made with fresh tomatoes and we had fried squash and zucchini and we had there was just so much food and it was all delicious and I came home with a huge bag of veggies and I got to pick some of them myself and everything was delicious and I'm going to be eating it for days and it's so good you guys. For my third and most important question do they grow garlic? No, I don't think they do. But that's okay, because if they grew garlic, you'd have to peel it yourself. Yes. Yeah. Fresh garden garlic is probably inferior to store-bought garlic. I'm going to give you that. That's it. All right. Uh, so, Dave, you read chapters 11 through 13 of The Alloy of Law, right? Uh, at some point. I'm hoping you did, because that's what I read. And if you didn't read those chapters, then I'm off and since. I've already lost the workings of time. Uh, we have a problem. You know what you should do? You should just burn cadmium to pass the time. I, I don't think passing the time is his issue. Time. I think too much time is passed. <laughs> no one gets that. Speaking <laughs> of time, I don't have a lot of it today, so let's do this. All right, chapter 11. Don't cough into your hand, clamps. Miles got some Goldman's. Trell is a something... Wilson Fisk <laughs> has proverbial iron eyes. What is that bullet point? Oh, no, not Steris. Uh, end scene. Wow, uh, put, put a little in, more enthusiasm in that last bullet point. The, oh, no, I said it like Steris would say it. Oh, That's no, true. not Steris. <laughs> uh, so we have a scene from the perspective of Miles Digdogger, and he is the guy that we knew thought, thought he was. We um, figured it out. Everyone figured yeah, it out. We did it. <laughs> Uh, I was lucky. Um, so he is first. He's talking to the third in command, Clamps Tarson, being second in command. So the third in command of his group. Uh, he Clamps um isn't the robot from Futurama. I I was a little confused when this guy had actual hands. But one thing's for sure: you shouldn't cough into your hands like Clamps did. You should cough into your elbow pit. Not that it bothered Miles at all. Well, yeah. I mean, Miles has like infinite hp so it doesn't really matter to him uh because he's got gold mines all right and i think trell is like his deity or something i don't remember okay so in game terms miles regens 200 percent of his max hp every turn it's more like <laughs> a thousand because it's 10 times as much as regular health no it's 10 times as much as he's as he uh fills as he fills that's true and he's probably not filling 100%. I guess he could refill 100%. You know, compounding gold is weird. Like, compounding any any of the... Oh, we'll metal. talk about it. All right. But not okay. not too long, because Tori's out of time. All right. It's uh, so the book, who's though. Trell? Trell is like his deity or something, right? So you talk, talk about Trellism or something. Yeah. Do that. So, back in... I want to say Final Empire... I think Sazed, one of the religions. Trelides? Huh? Uh, it was one of Sazed's. No, guys. it's okay. not related to Trelides. Uh, one of Sazed's religions it. that he tries to hawk on, I think, Kelsier. Someone correct me if I'm wrong here, because I don't remember who. Because, you know, he he did his religions to a number of people, but one of them was uh, 
trellism. Trellism? Trellism. Anyway. It's like the thousand eyes of, of Trell, like the stars were the eyes of Trell or something. So it's star sight slash skyward with the eyes. Yeah, it's called Trellagism when uh, Trellagism. Zed does okay. it. So it sounds like it, the name has morphed a little bit over time. So anyways, you know who's not happy with Miles' performance at the wedding feast was his financial backer, Mr. Suit. And I'm I'm picturing like Wilson Fisk, uh, you know, Marvel Kingpin here. Uh, but then I thought his name is Mr. Suit and a tuxedo is a kind of suit. And what's another name for a tuxedo? What do they call them? They call them penguin suits. <laughs> yeah. Penguins, right? So he may as well just be the penguin if he's going to be named after a finery of clothing. It, it, so you're saying your cast list is that the penguin it's is Mr. Suit. Chester Chamberpot or whatever his name is. Uh, but which which version do you want? Do you want the, the... Flippers one from the cartoon? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. Well, there there is Danny DeVito. There's also <laughs> Gotham has a pretty good penguin. Yeah, that's true. I like the Gotham version. Wait, not Gotham. Uh, the Arkham series. Arkham Asylum games? Yeah. Voiced by Mark Hamill. Probably not. He does all the voices. <laughs> He's like the Billy West so, of Batman. So, Mike, who would you <laughs> cast as Mr. Suit? Um, I had it until you asked me, and now it's gone. <laughs> Carl <laughs> Urban. There we go. Who? Carl Urban. Ooh, I like. Uh, and, Tori, you cast Mr. Suit last week. Could you refresh us as to who you picked? Uh, as soon as I find my cast list. Yeah, it's uh, Val Kilmer. I was thinking like Tombstone era Val Kilmer. All right. But he's Batman. You can't do that. You can't cast <laughs> Batman as a villain. I can, I am, and I will. All right. Oh, no, not so. Uh, Mr. Suit does make some kind of reference to presumably Steris. He says, uh, if I were paying more attention, I would have scratched that last one off the list because Wax is going to get involved now or something. And that's the end of that scene. So, yeah, Mr. Sue um, thinks that uh, Miles just, like, was trying to provoke Wax, and that's why he shot old Petrius, old Petri dish, Oldimus Petimus. All right, next scene. Let's talk about compounding. But I think we'll do a recap and then talk about compounding. Uh, recap. We'll do talk about compounding at the end of all chapter. I think right. we're going to talk about compounding. Marcy. Why did do that idea? I should have turned that into a compound sentence. Let's talk. Yeah, after <laughs> there we go. After wait, is it a complex sentence if there's a dependent clause? Moving on. After just use a semicolon. That always works for me. No, uh, okay. If there's a dependent clause, then it's a oh, complex no. sentence. A compound sentence has a coordinating conjunction. Sorry, we semicolon into the tangent. Hello right, and um, welcome to the Grammar Deep Dive Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Mike. Dude, semicolons are awesome. Okay, anybody let's, let's who's continue. talked to me let's in Discord continue. over a period completely of time, completely unrelated. Like completely unrelated. I suddenly have an idea of bonus content we can offer our Patreon. Strong bad deep dive podcast. <laughs> okay, next. All right, next. Marasi is impulsive. All right, so Marasi is a pulser. That means she burns cadmium. It's probably cadmium because they talk about. Bendeloy being in the alloc and blah blah blah, but then we actually it actually is revealed to be cadmium that she burns in the following chapter. But uh, so she burns cadmium and she's kind of ashamed of it because she sees what Wayne can do with Bendeloy, and apparently Lord Harms told her to keep her power a secret and kind of talked her into thinking it's worthless. 
Um, but that's it's patently untrue. There are just it, ten. I took ten minutes after reading that and immediately thought of the following uses for cadmium. Uh, one, you can counteract a zipper or what's a, a slider. slider. I couldn't remember the word, so I wrote zipper. zipper. Jerry O'Connell <laughs> stars in sliders. So, anyways, uh, and I. I came up with that idea before it's actually confirmed in chapter 13. So you could counteract a slider. I will point out you need to be on top of that because there's still it's I think it's it's stated two minutes of time can be compressed within what? 15 seconds. 15 seconds so that's if right. you don't respond, if, if you respond within a second, they're still getting, you know, what? 15 seconds of time on you. So you you got to be fast in order to counteract a slider. We also learned that we also learned in chapter thirteen that cadmium has a bigger range and it right. also burns more slowly. Yep. So which is I think true for most of the metals versus their alloys. That seems to be the case. a pretty big example of that. Yeah. All right. Um. So count. You can counteract a slider. Uh, you can slow down the enemy if you catch the enemy in a bubble. Slow, slow them down. You have to slow yourself down at the same time, but it's you're still making use. And especially now knowing that it has a bigger range, like you can, or if you like hide under the floorboards, like if you're hiding somewhere and you can make a relative, like a room sized cadmium bubble, like that's amazing. Who could say, possibly say that cadmium is worthless? Uh, next, you can intercept bullets. Um, if you got a bad guy in one corner of the room and he's going to be shooting at your friend on the other side of the room, you can stand in the middle. And as long as you're like not getting hit by the bullet yourself, you can, and you can react fast enough. You can put up a cadmium bubble. Uh, not sure if the bullet would actually just bounce off of the cadmium bubble or if it would enter the cadmium bubble and slow down, but it would slow down enough for your friend to dodge the bullet. So, so it's the inverse process of firing a bullet out, out of a a uh, speed bubble it's just coming in and you can pulse it maybe that's where the term pulser comes from you don't have to keep up your bubble you can just pop it up for a second which means time shouldn't you shouldn't lose too much time mm-hmm. you could slow down time if your friend is wounded and you're waiting for the paramedics to arrive uh you know basically you know decreasing the amount of time that they're bleeding out while they're waiting for help to arrive uh you can age at a slower rate if you can burn uh if you can slow burn cadmium for a while and just like have time pass and you can stay young for longer you can stay up late like if you if you have a like a an assignment that you have to go out on the beat at 3 a.m and like well if i stay up that late i'm gonna be tired you burn cadmium past the day and you won't get tired or if you're staking out like if you're outside of well if you have a sting operation going on there's a um, problem with that one how's that you still have to be able to see what's happening outside. And if things are going by very fast and you're on a stakeout, it's a little difficult to see if any, you'll have to keep an eye out for blurs of activity and be yep. able to drop it instantly. You sure will. And then no, I like, I like that 3am example because <laughs> you, could, you could just be staring at the clock and it would be moving really fast. Like in that time machine movie. Yeah. Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Uh, and then finally, uh, if you're doing a, a Zelda randomizer and you want to see your stats, you don't feel like sitting through the credits, put yourself in a time bubble, let the credits roll by <laughs> and you get to the stats faster. Um, yep. That one's a joke, but there are plenty of practical uses for cadmium. I, I can't possibly believe that Mr. Harms actually thinks that it's worthless. So and there's... if this was your ability, 
I, I mean, this is true for anybody. If this was your ability, this is the allomantic power you have. I I would assume you're going to figure out ways to use it well. Like you shouldn't just hide it and be like, no, this is I mean, OK, you're you're not an aluminum gnat. Like, come on. You <laughs> can do gnat. stuff. That's an official in-universe term. It is. Uh, aluminum so and duralumin. you to figure use your ability. If aluminum has a good ferrochemical trait, though, then that would you make, like, it. and compounding it would be not useless. I'm not, I don't know what the trait is. If, if I've learned it and forgot or whatever, I'll have to refer back to my chart I or write something in. I don't believe that you have, but when you look at the Ars Arcanum at the end of this book, it'll tell you. Okay, and if it's gastronomic satiety, then you could like eat a pea, and like, if you're a twinborn and you could compound aluminum, and it gave you gastronomic satiety, you could eat a pea and like be full for a week. Maybe not that. I guess it would be like ten times as much. So it would be like eating ten peas, <laughs> eating five batteries. <laughs> it would be like eating ten times as much. Um. So the aluminum nat term is none of this stuff applies to twinborn uh that the it's just for uh alamancers so mm-hmm. aluminum gnats and duralumin gnats are people who can just burn aluminum or duralumin and there is and no money. there is no use to do either of those things because neither of them do anything by themselves well here's the thing if you need to eat a bunch of metal like say Say you swipe your buddy's vial, or not your buddy, but like if you're fighting somebody and your hands are deft, you can grab their vial and you could drink their liquids and then you can burn and their metals and you can burn aluminum so you don't poison yourself. You can dispose of alimantic metals quickly. That is the use of aluminum. I don't think duralumin would actually work, though, because you have to actually be able to burn the second metal with duralumin. So you would never have lead poison. Yeah, you would. Lead is an alimantic metal. Yeah, I don't think lead actually has a use, so... You would never have gold poisoning. Mm, true. Anyway, that's where the terms um, alimantic gnat comes from, is just... You, you can burn that one metal, and there's no good use for it, so... Actually, you could, like, destroy a bunch of gold to counteract inflation, maybe. I don't are know. are you turning all. aluminum gnats into matter-eater lad? <laughs> I don't know who that is, but the next bullet point says... No tool fits every situation. And to that I say, Wax obviously never heard of a gnomish army knife. It's literally a tool that fits every situation. And Brandon should know that, but probably Wax doesn't. <laughs> yep. Wax is convinced the Vanisher boss is Miles. Good on him. Uh, Wax and Miles are not so different. And that's what scares Wax about Miles. Is that he's, he's not too far off. He's like the old lawman. And, you know, all of the things he's seen is getting to him as well and that's the end of chapter 11 okay let's talk compounding after two more chapters okay okay <laughs> there's things in chapter 13 that go slightly into what i want to talk about with compounding all okay. right chapter 12 wayne likes fezzes i totally called it and i didn't specifically say fezzes but during the cast list i almost cast matt smith as wayne and the idea was that he was obsessed with hats. And those familiar with the 11th incarnation of the Doctor know that he really likes fezzes. So in my mind, like, so I thought that I had specifically said fezzes, but you guys should have gotten the idea. Yeah, Wayne likes fezzes. And guess what? Chapter 12 starts off with Wayne getting his very own fez. Except it's described as a terrible fit and he's just wearing it to annoy Wax. 
Yeah, well, but to he remind him he lost his He hat. says fezzes are cool. Like, he straight up says fezzes are cool. That's okay. 100% a shout out to Doctor Who. When was this book written? Well after Matt Smith said was fezzes it? are cool. He, yeah. He didn't actually say fezzes are cool, but he says to the porter, I guess, he says, oh, I like your hat. And then it's described as like conical with a flat top made of stiff felt and yeah. with a feather, which is it's kind of totally like a, a fez. It's a fez. There's no question. <laughs> it's a fez. So he doesn't actually say the line fezzes are cool, but he, he may as well have said it. And I wonder if it was actually meant to be a Matt Smith reference. And I'm on Wayne's side here. Doing anything to annoy Wax seems like a valuable pursuit in and of itself. <laughs> Which makes I mean, sense. You, cool. you got to keep your friends annoyed. Like, that's just what you got to do. Uh, Marasi totally has intentions toward Lord Ladrian, despite what she says. No, I don't believe <laughs> that for a second. But she tries to talk all sophisticated with him. She doesn't do that to Wayne. I have no idea what you are talking about. Some kind of machine traveling miles on a train. There you have it. Chapter 12. They're on a train. They're figuring stuff out. Um, Wax kind of teases Mar or sorry, Wayne teases Marasi a little bit about how she's got a little crusherino on Wax. Uh, they're talking about, oh, they must have used a machine to transport all of this aluminum. I'm actually wondering if they don't have a pulser on their team that can, you know, get the guards in a bubble and slow down time for them which would make it appear i mean they have evidence of this machine there's like a foot that left like a square footprint as well but like why not use cadmium to slow down the guards so that they can move things out and it would look like it mysteriously vanished from the vantage point of any witnesses if they could get all of the witnesses in a cadmium bubble so, so they'd have to slow down the train and the witnesses but not the car that they're working in yes um, although the train, yeah, the train, which, the which is cheaper the than train. using Bendeloy. Yeah. But you would need more people to be able to drop the, the slow bubbles. So, um, Wayne, Wax and, uh, Marasi go on a pretzel date. Oh no, he got the pretzels before this. Cause he gave one to the porter for his hat. He anyway. did not give one to the porter for his hat. He offered one. The porter thought it was gross cause he pulled it out of his pocket and he just sort of passed on it. I thought that the porter was just like. Well, this dude gave me a good enough tip that I don't really care about the pretzel. I didn't I didn't get the repulsion there, but that's fine. Uh, anyways, Somebody offers separated. you a pretzel that they pulled out of their pocket. How how are you feeling about that? I is think a, the repulsion is, it, is implied. Is it a pretzel from Philly? Because if so, I'm taking that. Is it more than a day old? If it's a fresh pretzel, like if it got baked in the within the last hour, then I would totally take that pretzel. I hear that. It's can, been in you someone's guys pocket. Philly? I don't care. It's a pocket pretzel. Wayne's pocket. Just brush it off. It's fine. You guys obviously have never been to Philly. They haven't. They don't <laughs> you guys know, apparently have never worn clothes with clothes with pockets. Oh yeah, I'm with Craig. Just brush it off so it's got a little lint on it. That's just extra fiber. It's fine. <laughs> All right. I I no longer ever want to go to Philly. Gotcha. We don't do that. <laughs> it's just saying it's that good. Yeah, we only put pork roll in our pockets. Yep, Philly is off my list of places to visit. Speaking of which, you guys know that scene in um, Trading Places where Dan Aykroyd pulls out the steak from his his whatever Santa suit he was wearing? Ugh. It was like salmon and he ate it through his beard, which yep, was great. That, 
was disgusting. So that's great, but a freshly baked Philly soft pretzel is invalid because it was in somebody's pocket. Yep, that's what we're saying. It's not yeah, like Wayne is a kangaroo. Like if it came out of a kangaroo's pocket, that would be pretty gross. Dave, they don't understand. They, right. they just don't. When when they come visit us, they'll understand. The question is, Craig, do they have water ice to dip the pretzel in? <laughs> they think they. I think they call it Italian <laughs> ice, and it is an inferior product. Mike calls it a snow cone, but that's something completely different. As far as I can tell from your description, you're talking about a snow cone. See, the ice in a snow cone is a lot bigger. Like, right. So, like, a water ice is more flavor than it is ice, whereas a snow cone is, like, ice with a small hint of flavor, and the chunks of ice are bigger. You want very, very fine green ice. Like, actually, ice. like, snow. That's Shaved The funny ice. thing is, water ice has more of a snow-like texture than a snow cone does. That's funny. It's <laughs> a, I've had snow cones made of shaved ice. I've also had snow cones made of crushed ice. The shaved is better, but it's still a snow cone. One time at work, it was snowing, and it was the restaurant was really slow. So my manager went outside, got snow off the ground, and put it in like the little paper cup cone cups we use for water. He filled them up with snow and poured grenadine on them and made water ice for everybody. Or snow cones. Oh no, those were like snow cones. So that there's the other thing. Like water ice is like the ice actually tastes like the thing, like the flavor. Like you actually get the flavor with a snow cone. It's like it's ice with flavor on it. Whereas water ice is like flavored ice. So they put the flavor in before they make the ice? I don't know how they make it. It's magic. Okay. <laughs> they probably have to burn Bendeloy or something. I don't know. All right, next chapter. Any questions about chapter two? Oh, yeah. So Wax and Wayne and Morales are all separated. So Wax is by himself and Miles shows up in corners. I mean, Wax is like, that's right. He's not going to go into hiding. He's used to being on the hunt because he's an old wall keeper. That's the end of chapter 12. So it's just about uh, Wax and Miles about to face off. So I enjoyed a Wayne POV here because it gave us a, a very Breeze-like uh, part of a chapter because he, like, he pays attention to people in ways that like Wax or Morassi don't. Yeah, I really like his whole I pay attention to accents and inflections and voice shtick thing. I like it a lot. That's his area. But yeah, and like like you said, he's like he's the people guy, and Wax is like the like the material details guy. Yep, yep. Unlike um, Psych, where Sean is both, and Gus is just the encyclopedia. And and then Morassi is the stats nerd. Morassi is the Gus. <laughs> Gus knows things, and also has the super sniffer. And that's that's so what Gus, he brings to the table. Gus knows things, and Sean knows stuff. Yes. <laughs> so so if something can be determined by uh, either reading someone, like like their their facial expressions, their tone of voice, that sort of thing, Sean will do that. Or if it's something he could have learned in the first week of literally any entry-level job, Sean also does that. Gus <laughs> does the rest of it. When you actually have to look up something on the internet, Gus has already done that. All right. Chapter 13? I think so. The train? Yeah. I mean... We we did get a little bit of a hint of what Wayne's type of girl is. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to her house after chapter thirteen. All right, uh, chapter thirteen: train rooftop gunfight. Miles gets shot in the eye, but saber tooths the wound immediately. Hold Wax. on, what? We, we got a western theme book taking place in the old west, and we have trains. You gotta have a rooftop battle. 
Yeah, I think it's in the bylaws. The alloy <laughs> of bylaws. Yep. And Miles almost says alloy of law in this chapter. Like he comes so close, but the didn't commit. <laughs> it's like come on, say the thing. Oh, didn't say the thing. It's like the alloy of orderliness or something like that. I don't know. He says something like he's almost like almost wants to say alloy of law, but Brandon didn't want to be that cheesy. Uh, no, no, that was the original title of the book, but some editor out there was like, "Hang on, this is a better book title right here." <laughs> All righty. Uh, so Miles gets shot in the eye, Sabretooth. That's the mutant from X Men. He has the healing powers like Wolverine. Actually, who has stronger healing powers? And you know what? I'm not. We're not. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna start that. I'm not. We're not. We're not gonna have that. We're not gonna have comics debates here. Uh, well, it. you can have it on <laughs> our Discord. I have the answer to that if you need it later. You can post it in Discord. That way people have to visit our Patreon page to get a Discord link. You don't have to donate, but you visit the Patreon page. There's a Discord link, and then you can see Mike's discourse about whose healing powers are stronger, Wolverine or Sabretooth. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Cosmere. Patreon.com slash CosmereCast. All right, next bullet point. Wax can't defeat Miles until he has time to plan. So it's almost like he has to go back to his bat cave and like work out <laughs> a plan on how to take him down. Because he's got a million hit points. Uh Miles jams a knife up his sleeve. Uh like not the long way. <laughs> Perpendicularly. <laughs> Literally. Um Miles jam oh yeah. Uh Wax falls off the train. It's a good thing the tracks are straight here and then curved immediately after. Um, and then Wayne says, you need to get Miles' metal mines off him. Let's talk about compounding, uh, broad education, and finally, to the Renette Cave, chapter 13. Okay, so, so are what, you, do, what do you want to talk about first? Or are you going to tell us about the bullet points, or what's up? Yeah. Uh, so, as at the end of chapter 12, we know there's about to be a train fight, uh, and Miles has a bajillion hit points, which... They were just talking about in chapter 11, how you can compound the gold. Uh, Wax realizes that he can't just kind of brute force it. He has to he has to shake off Miles first and then plan somehow to take him down. Uh, Miles knocks Wax off the train top and he uses steel pushing on the rails to catch up to the train. And I buy this if the tracks are straight. For the length that Wax needs to catch up to the train. I think if the racks bend the tracks bend here, there's no way he's staying on track to catch up to the train. Why not? Because he'll have too much momentum tangent to the curve, and he wouldn't be able to adjust simply by steel pushing straight away from him. Like he he won't be able to get an angle. Like a train can stay on the tracks because it has well, it has a normal force of the tracks pushing against its wheel. If if he goes on top of the tracks, he only has to push on one of the rails in order to turn. He's he not. He's floating above the tracks. He's not s- skidding along the tracks. I thought you were talking has, about when he catches back up to the train. Yeah, he's catching back up to the train. He has one downward force so that he can hover above the tracks. And then he's got one on an angle behind him to push him forward. So the downward force and the downward portion of the back angle force is counteracted by gravity so his vertical velocity is zero uh his horizontal velocity is just the horizontal portion of the steel pushing on the angle behind him 
he would have too much momentum to especially because he has to be going faster than the train also remember so he's got too much momentum so if the track bends there's no way that he can there's no way that he can counteract his momentum dave i don't think you're thinking third dimensionally <laughs> no seriously though i i feel like if he's well, there's a only motion in you There's just only a motion off. in up to two directions. Two if, if you see the curve is, for example, if, if you see the tracks are going to curve left, you just push on the right rail behind you, which will push you over to the left. I guess you could adjust slightly because he's... You have to do it proactively. Right? Yeah, so he'd be cutting the corner a little bit. I yeah. guess it like could work, but I think it's pretty... Seems unlikely. Like, maybe. Right, maybe. Okay. Because he could actually... Oh, unless so, unless there's a if there's an inside curve, yes, but not if there's an outside curve, because he would be he's only still pushing on one rail, right? There's two rails. Um, I don't think they have a third rail in these times because the trains are actually like coal powered or steam powered. Yeah. yeah. So there are two rails. He's hovering over one rail. If that rail is on the inside, then he can push on the outside rail to make the turn. However, if the if the rail he's sliding over is on the outside of the curve. I don't think he can. He would have to. He would have to land to readjust and like physically move his body. Yeah, and he'd somehow have to stop his faster than train speed. I think we just need to trust that Wax knows how to handle his ability and can. Probably. If he needs to be in a certain location. He can get there because it just works. He's been doing uh, this for. He probably decades. hasn't. Yeah, he's probably done the train thing, and maybe he might even know which way the track curves. Right. Right. I don't know. But at any in any case, if the track is straight, then I believe it. I'll I'll give it a pass. If the track is straight or he's on the inside rail of a curve. All right. Can I bring up my issues with the top of the train fight? Absolutely. Oh, First off, Wax has goggles. We've seen him wear them. He's got them on the front cover of the book, Dave. Alright, just real quick, oh, I'm no. starting I'm starting to get that Wax might be on the right. However, I am completely justified in thinking Wayne was on the right at the time I made that claim. I mean, I can see your argument. I don't necessarily agree. All right, move on, Mike. Anyway, uh, Wax should be wearing his goggles on top of the train because there's a lot of wind. You get dust in your eyes. It sucks. Does he currently have his goggles on him, though? Why wouldn't he have brought them? He's getting on a train to potentially get into a fight with Miles. He's not expecting Miles. <laughs> I don't Miles. think that was the plan. He's definitely not likely. expecting Miles going into this train ride. Then he has never was read a story wearing, ever. Was <laughs> he wearing his goggles at the time that his library was blown up? I think so. Because he definitely had he them in that scene. If yeah. he wasn't, then that would be a good reason not to have brought them along because they'd have got blown up. So my interpretation is that the goggles are for when he's sciencing. And since he's just investigating and not sciencing, he does not have his goggles on him. So you're saying that Brandon Sanderson follows the Michael Bay school of showing how smart people are? Goggles equals smart? Or glasses. Yeah. Like that literally, watch him, watch any I, Michael Bay movie. Reason, okay, he had a reason to be wearing goggles. He was doing chemicals, like he was doing chemicals. And, you know, okay, that stuff but... burns the eyes. You're going to wear goggles, but he doesn't need it when he's not busy doing chemistry. But literally watch any Michael Bay movie. He casts models as, I, as I his know. actors. I know. And in order to make anyone actually look smart, he just has them wear glasses. It's the dumbest thing. 
Okay. Michael B- so, Michael Bay is a bad director, is what I'm saying. So back on topic, I don't think Wax would have his goggles on him because he only uses it when he's actually doing some chemistry. And when he's fighting on top of a train, if he were thinking. <laughs> Next, uh, they really shouldn't be able to have a conversation. It should be way too loud. Like, they shouldn't be able to hear each other, basically. I think it depends on how fast the train is traveling. Like, if, if we're talking the equivalent of 60 miles per hour or 100 kilometers per hour for our non-United States folks, um, yeah, agreed. But if they're only going, I don't know, a quarter of that, you could probably have a conversation. I'm I'm guessing they're going faster than 15 miles an hour, but probably not more than like 40. 15 miles an hour! So roughly a quarter to a half of the numbers I said. So I, th- I think it's it's possible if they're shouting, and it also depends on how far back they are from the engine, which it seems like they're not close to the engine. I mean, they're all over the train. They are. I don't know. I think we have to watch. We all have to watch Back to the Future 3 for when they're doing stuff on the train and see what that is like in terms of the sound that can be traveled. Why don't we instead watch that one episode of Archer that has a train top fight? I don't know how accurate that is. All right, Dave, what's next? Uh, let's talk about compounding. Let's Let. talk about compounding. So the way they describe compounding, the way that um, Wax is explaining it, you first have to ferrochemically charge the gold in this case, and then you have to burn it. And you get like a 10 to 1 ratio of the amount of health that you've stored. Is that correct? That's an approximation, but yes. Well, not the exact numbers, but that's how it works. You store it, and then you burn it, and you get a greater amount. Yeah, Functionally, it gives you an infinite ferrochemical store of that attribute. No. How? No. How infinite? Infinite because you can keep doing it forever until you run out of the metal, but why would you run out of the metal? Okay, you're jumping ahead. You have to keep eating it. Yeah, but it's like a flake at a time, dude. Guys... Yeah. Dave is just asking about how it actually works, in which case you store the ferrochemical ability inside a metal and then you burn said metal. And because you're burning it, it releases much more of the stored attribute. Which a, you can then store greater, in your proper mine in your proper metal mines. At a greater rate that compared to what is actually stored within the metal itself. So you might store 100 hit points in a piece of metal. But when you actually burn said metal, it multiplies the amount that's in there by roughly 10 times. So if you store 100 HP in a metal and burn said metal, you will get 1,000 HP out. So here's the stupid thing about it. You actually have to eat the metal to burn it. Yep, yep. you do. So like, I can see in this situation, um, Miles knows he's about to fight, uh, knows he's about to go into a fight with Wax. So he's going he's gonna to probably drink uh, like all the gold that he to give him a gigabillion hit points, whatever. That's fine. Uh, but if you like snuck up on, like he's got to burn it at the okay. end of the day, or else he'll get poisoned. Unless gold is a special case, and you can just use the stored health to get over the gold poisoning. <laughs> so I, I think I think you're misunderstanding here. Miles is always burning gold. That is all he does all day, no, every no, day. Mm, He's not burning gold. He's he's he's, he's always pulling health from his, gold. from his gold yeah. mines. He's he only burns compound. gold once in a while because he only needs to, to fill burn them. gold once in a uh. while. He's always burning his gold reserve. Stop saying burning. It's the wrong term. Tapping? 
He's always tapping his gold reserves. That's the correct term. He's always tapping it to store his health, sure. No, you tap to take out. He's not taking out from his gold reserves, though. He's It's from compounding. He fills it through compounding, and then he takes it out constantly. Uh, okay. And then so when the reserves, be... when his gold mines get low, then he compounds again to refill them. I see. So he doesn't, um, he doesn't burn gold during the fight. He just does that in preparation for the fight. And the actual bracers that he has, which are like spiked into him, kind of like a Lord Roller's bracers, that, that's what he's tapping. He's not, he's not burning it to regain the health during the fight. He only does it to fill the gold mines. Right. Okay. Okay. I, I was slightly mistaken with what he's doing. That clears that, makes, up that makes it a lot less stupid. Thank you. Yeah. I thought you actually had to like know when you have to burn the gold and and use the uh, ferrochemical storage. Okay. No, he just keeps his I mean, ferrochemical storage filled and then taps it constantly. Although, although if he's just simply tapping his gold, it's already stated that he rejuvenates a lot faster than something Wayne could do. He's got big bracers. Don't they say he has like 30 metal mines? Right. Is it just because he has fully filled metal mines? Like he has 30 different ones on him and they got a lot of bling. Yeah. Like if, if Wayne had a fully filled gold mine, he could heal as quickly. But also, but since since he has to his his storage and and tapping is just on the, the same one to one. He doesn't have access to compounding, so he has to actually care about how much he has left in reserve. Right, so when Wayne is filling his metal mind, he has to make himself sick to do it. Miles doesn't have to do that. Miles can burn some gold and get the health out of it and then store that health while remaining healthy the whole time. Man, sounds like cheaty glitches. It really is. Miles, um, how useful would, he, would it be if, if uh, Miles had gold teeth? Get a couple gold tooths in there. How do you know he doesn't? I don't know. Has he smiled? No. He's like, and he's been wearing a mask up until the last couple of chapters. <laughs> I never smile. Do you know how Jaws has the silver teeth? That's him, but gold. Or what does Jaws have? Steel teeth? I don't know. What steel if he teeth? has bracers and braces? <laughs> <laughs> do braces right. count so if they're not the touching flesh? He, he has so many full gold metal mines, and then he okay. can easily so, fill them. That clears a lot of things up. I thought he was actually burning the gold during the fight. Okay. So you have to get his gold mines or his metal mines off of him makes sense now because that's where he's actually getting the health, not from the burning. Okay. Correct. Uh, it's, do you remember back in the Final Empire when uh, they were working out how the Lord Ruler stayed young and how he, like, every three days he'd go and hang out in his little terrace hut in the middle yep. of Kreditshaw? Yep. So that was... That was the day that he would fill his uh, ATM mines. Right. The rest of the time, he's just tapping from it. But why did he have to even do that? Because he he has to store age. You still have right. to... Storing health is different from storing age. Right. Okay. And the fact that he'd been doing it for a thousand years meant that he had to keep tapping more and more age faster in order to stay young. So he would still appear old during the process, and that's right. why he had a little hut. Okay. Um, so, so I have another comment though about gold. Um, they they state, I think Miles states uh, that you know you you you're able to tap gold and therefore be healthy, but it still doesn't prevent aging. And I think I might disagree with that, but I I'm not a biologist. I don't quite know how aging works within a a human. Well, in type 
in any animal. But I believe if you can self-heal, then you shouldn't age. Yeah. Because the mechanisms right. that destroy the body would not be happening. I so might I have a think... counter to that during spoiler time. Maybe. Okay. Poor Dave. He will never know. All right. So we're done talking about compounding. Uh, end of the scene. All right. Any, anything else chat, for chat. for Dave then? Or are we booting Dave? It's just uh, I'm looking forward to meeting uh, Wayne's girlfriend. Um, I think she's just going to be like, she's like going to be like, she doesn't put up with this bullcrap. Like, I think she's going to be great. Renette. Oh, hey, there's something we didn't talk about. The broadsheet. We had a broadsheet this week. Oh, yeah, it's true. It was in yeah, the yeah, a little a little comic book, a little not book, a little comic panel where there's a scab dropping a solidarity sign to go and sit at the kid's table with the affluent man. Yep, we had a polytune. I didn't read this one word for word. I just kind of skimmed over it. Uh, I do have a actually I do have a theory, though, um, and it's a little weird to bring this up now, but. I was thinking that what if Lord Harms is Mr. Suit? What oh, is this, is this the theory you were Yeah, this is, is my Mr. theory. Suit. So, like, I swear, Mr. Harms is pretty inconspicuous until we hear about how he kind of stifled Marasi's elementic power. Like, I, he can't be stupid enough to think that cadmium is actually useless. So, either maybe there's some kind of stigma against cadmium or alamancers in general or maybe there's some other reason that he wants to keep it hidden maybe to protect them or something um but I have like a question. okay so I'm, I'm almost done talking about the theory but you can ask your question well it's related to your theory that i haven't even discussed yet but okay all right now continue. i know how mike feels go on <laughs> just continue so one of the things is that mr harms is in charge of the kidnapping list or no i'm sorry uh, mr suit is in charge of the kidnapping list. And at this point, Steris and Marasi are the only ones that were kidnapped that were not known Alamancers. So how did Mr. Suit know they were Alamancers? Well, Mr. Harms. There's the other situation where Mr. Suit apparently knows how Miles reacted during the wedding scene. Uh, and who was there at that wedding scene? Mr. Lord Harms was there. And it's kind of interesting because his daughter's are both kidnap targets. Um, so either, like, maybe he's he's done putting up with Steris's like, strictness or something, but that's probably not it. Like, he probably still loves her and cares about her. Maybe he's having her kidnapped so he can bring her in on, like, the true family business, right? We also know that Lord Harms and House Harms has a lot of money. That's why, uh, that's why Steris is supposed to marry Waxillium. Because they have the money, but not the notoriety that uh, that House Ladrian has. Uh, so either like maybe he's kidnapping Sturrus to bring her into the family business, or maybe this is a bit of a stretch here, but maybe it's not actually Lord Harms, but maybe a Chandra took over Lord Harms, and that is Mister Suit. I don't. There were like kind of hints that maybe there are Chandra in the broadsheets. And you'd have to take that with a grain of salt, but it's possible. No, no. Any questions? Right. I Every, do have everything a question, in yes. the broadsheets is true. Absolutely. You can always believe the broadsheets. <laughs> Cars are Maybe. a terrible menace, and carriages are the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I, I do have a question. Uh, what then would be the purpose in Lord Harms making Wax promise to bring Steris back? 
Uh, good question. Lord Harms was expecting uh, the butler to kill him the next day. So, you know, it, he didn't really think much of it. Because he's like, well, Wax is going to be out of the way tomorrow anyway. It doesn't matter. Wait, was he, though? Because right. Mr. Suit seemed a little... I, Mr. Suit knows about the mom. Mr. Suit figured Wax would get away with it. Like, no. he would survive. Wax I'm did... Or, sorry, Mr. Suit did not seem surprised that Wax survived. Is that true? I don't recall that. I think that Mr. Suit expected Wax to get blown up by his butler. Miles didn't expect Wax to get blown up in the old hideout. Correct. That's true. Um, I don't. Maybe the same is true of Mr. Suit, but I don't. I didn't get that vibe. Maybe I need to reread it. Clamps expected I, Wax to get blown up in the old hideout. Yeah, right. And he promised as such. And Miles, Miles knew better. <laughs> yeah, that's that's sort of what happened. I think I think it's more yeah. like Mr. Suit. Well, expected Miles to take care of it, but was not necessarily surprised so much as thinking there was a, a history there that's making Miles be different. But I'm kind of wondering why you guys all cast people as Mr. Suit. Because, because we knew he was about to pop up. Yeah, be, because he showed up in these chapters, so now we need somebody <laughs> to play him. I guess if there's if it's the same guy, they could still get two different actors for him. Or we were providing you with a clever ruse. Uh, to be honest, I don't remember if any of you cast Lord Harms. For the record, I have changed who I casted as Hoyd every single book. What? On purpose. Just to annoy me. Not to annoy you. You're but... the Wayne of this podcast. I but... think I only cast Hoyd in uh, Way of Kings because that's the only book he has a real showing in. Right. I still like my David Tennant choice, though, I think. For, for, for my Hoyd, I think that would be my more permanent choice. But I'm going to ignore the whole cast list thing and just assume that Mr. Harms is Lord Suit. Okay. Uh, we should get rid of Dave because we're now north of an hour and Tori does have a time limit this week. So, uh, Bye. Go away, Dave. Bye, Dave. Bye, Dave. Bye, Dave. Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. All right, uh, what do we have to talk about for these chapters? Alamancer Jack interacting with some Coloss and, and making them all civilized and such. I do believe that's the exact text from the beginning of the uh, the Alamancer Jack short story, too. So what makes the Alamancer Jack short story, though, is... Um, I forget the, the guy's name, but the guy who, who's actually editing... The, the commentary from the Terraceman. Yes. Because yes. I'll be honest, I did not want to read that short story, but then when I started it and there was all these little side comments and stuff, I'm like, okay, this is good. Because right. the broadsheets, I hate reading the Alamancer Jack sections because it's just the sort of like, look at me, show these uncivilized brutes, what for? But, you know, whatever. It's a, well, I mean, it's a gentleman I, adventurer thing. Yeah. yeah, that's very much how Victorian literature was written uh i'm a i'm a big fan of victorian literature because you guys might not know but tori is short for victoria so my mom was always pushing victorian stuff on me and mm -hmm. um but yeah i love those gentlemen adventurer stories and this uh alamancer jack is very much in that vein nice Henry yeah i, I can appreciate what it's going for according according to phil knight i just i just didn't care for it when it's in the broadsheets but in the short story mm, thumbs up um, okay, so my rebuttal, potentially, to 
to Craig's argument that that tapping health should keep you young is that magical healing in the Cosmere is based on your cognitive identity, right? Mm, yes. And cognitively, you know you're getting older and certain things should be happening. Uh, like subconsciously, you know that whether yeah. whether your healing should prevent that or not from like a purely scientific standpoint, because it's based on your cognitive identity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think you still age. Uh, I think that's a good point. I will I will say that if Miles assumed he wouldn't age, then he probably would not do so. But because he feels like and because it seems to be common knowledge that health doesn't stop you from aging like you said, then you're just your body's just going to naturally age. I I think that's a pretty good point. All right. Do we have anything else spoilery for this section aside from uh, Mr. Suit is Wax's uncle, which we've already talked about. Dave is super close, though. He's he he's looking at someone who is in the nobility, who has some connections. Missing the point, but I think he'll get there in the end. Uh, Wax's sister, also still alive, still around, and part of the set, which is a group name we don't even know about yet. I think it gets dropped at the end of this book. Yeah. And there's a third person who went on that trip and was supposed to have been killed, which is uh, Mr. Suit's wife, that we still haven't seen anything about. It. The Lost Metal. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe she actually did die. Like, maybe she wasn't in on it and they killed her. She knew too much. Okay, I just, well, I have nothing spoilery about this section, aside from what you mentioned. Yeah, not yeah. really anything spoilery, but um, when Wayne is having that conversation with Marisy about how she's not really his type, and she says, although she is very attractive in the cloud area, I just find that that is hilarious. You guys... <laughs> That so you one, like that description of Wayne about Marissi? That one took yeah. me a little bit to decipher what exactly he was talking about, because I thought he talked about curves already. Well, he was talking about in the hips and probably maybe the butt. I don't know. And then the cloud area is the bosom. Yeah, because they're the, the white puffy things that float above the fertile area where the seeds go. Basically, she has an hourglass figure. There you go. Just hilarious. Right. I think it's great. Uh, so who wants to go into double spoiler time with with the new preview chapters? Double Bye, spoiler time. Uh, all right. So chapter two, Goldilocks and the Three Spren. Wait, do you want me to interpret that? Yeah, that's how we've been doing it, man. <laughs> what is this Goldilocks and the Three? Is it just that you're... Because, um, so... Go on, Tori. I was going to say that... Um... That's when we're theorizing about the three different Bondsmith sprint, but I, nope, I want to say that. Oh, yeah. no, I, I know what this is. This is the, the sphere, the gemstone, has to be just right for the sprint to come inspect it. and right. maybe it. Not too full, not too empty, just right. Yep. 70%. Yep. Uh, Sill somehow knew the glowing tall man with facial brands would get noticed. Can she see the future? Okay, that's sarcasm. He is very smart. It's <laughs> smart. She's so smart. Uh, Syl is right. Also, always true. Syl's always right. You gotta tell her so. Uh, the floaty ones are called Shane Im. That's the name of the... It's like translated to heavenly... Oh, those ones of the heaven, which is essentially their similar windrunner uh, of the fuse. The fused order, whatever we're calling them. Yeah, well, we finally got like their proper name for themselves. So, 
So, so the Windrunner for... type ones are those ones of the heavens. Although we only know that they fly, we don't know if they can also do, was it cohesion? Adhesion. Adhesion, sorry, thank you. It would be either adhesion or division, depending on if they're Windrunner types or well, if they're Skybreaker you're, types. You're assuming that they're similar. They might not share the same types of... of oh, they, of they probably don't. They probably only have the one surge. They probably yeah, only have gravitation. Thing. Uh, Yasna used logic and counted to ten. Dalinar read the copper mind and only counted to nine. <laughs> Dalinar, please. So there is nine varieties of the fused. According to order. Dalinar's theories. According to somehow that Dalinar knows, maybe through discussions with Stormfather. But at least now we have it in writing in text, not through like a word of Brandon or something. And lucky number seven. This is the seventh type of fused radiant that Kaladin has encountered. Fight scene. There, there's, there's a fight a, scene. No. Correction. Teleporting fight scene. That, so the, the fused, fused and teleport. Yeah, the fused radiant does this weird lightning teleport ability, which is not flying because he cannot fly, but he can teleport. Dodge, dive, dip, duck, and dodge. <laughs> is that Looney Tunes? No, it's dodgeball. Oh, I thought you were quoting. That's it's older, man. There's a Looney Tunes where he's like, dodge, dip, dive. Blah, and then it like his build. Uh, it's a it's a Daffy Duck. They're fighting. Yeah. They're dodging. Uh, mm -hmm. Next bullet point. This is a kind of long fight scene that doesn't really give us any new info beyond the teleporting thing. So well, except that it was a really edge of your seat fight scene. It was. It's showing that this fuse is able to counter Kaladin much more effectively than probably in the past. The other, the other radiant types. I need a, I need a term for it. The fused. Yeah, I guess. The fused are specifically the ones that can use, um, basically surges. Right. So yeah, we have a, we have a term for that. All right. Next bullet point. Line about cops not chasing you if you go too fast from Tokyo Drift. Parentheses. I'm so happy to get to talk about Tokyo Drift again. End parentheses. I, I don't know. Uh, Kaladin can, in order to get away from the, the teleporting fused, he just makes himself go really, really fast. He drifts? He can, well, he can just go faster than, than the fused can teleport to follow him. Which is pretty impressive considering they're using lightning, which is the speed of light. He's probably not breaking the speed of light. The fact that he can see the thing moving means that it's not going the speed of light. Correct. There, it has a maximum speed and he can go faster if he... If he multiple uh, lashes lashes himself, yeah, uh, creepy threat. Uh, I think that's what the fuse tells Kaladin, right? About how it's like yep. you'll see me out of the corner of your eye or something. Yep, and since he Good luck sleeping, since he like for sure wrecked him this fight. Like Kaladin only got away because he literally because he can get away. He did not win the fight. So. This ties into one of the things I wanted to briefly mention, but uh, I have a thought that Radiant Orders counter certain fuse. So while Kaladin's probably really good at fighting the, the the Heavenly Ones, he's probably not good at this type, and you need something like an Edge Dancer to counter the Lightning Teleport dudes, or maybe even someone like Yasna, who's an Else Caller. I believe there's certain natural counters it's sort of like a rock, paper, scissors thing with the fused and the radiance. So you're suggesting that the the radiance can just use like their surge better than the uh, than the fused can. And so that's the counter. Maybe I'm not I'm not 100 percent certain that's how it's set up. 
But at least from the way Calden was discussing, this is the first fuse that have really has really given him some problems. So maybe this one is just set up to be able to counter wind runners. That's just the the way they're able to use their ability and they know how to fight wind runners. Maybe, maybe that's the case. So it's the fuse that are countering certain types of radiance. Therefore, you have to bring in a different radiant who they're not used to fighting and they can naturally counter that. So in the again in the rock paper scissors elemental Pokemon type battle, <laughs> uh, teleportation beats flying. Yeah, and I think since Yasna is so good at teleportation, since she can just else call, I think she would naturally be able to counter Lightning Dude because she can turn the lightning into not lightning. Or maybe it's something like you need a Stone Ward who can just sort of stand there and take it and and dish it back mm. at the same time. Yeah. Uh, next up. Would that it were so simple. Then explain that this is a Hail Caesar reference because, despite it being a Coen Brothers movie starring Josh Brolin, nobody saw it. Uh, I don't know. Because you haven't seen Hail Caesar. I have, actually. I just only once, really? though. Huh. Yeah. I, I legit didn't think anybody had seen it because, I mean, why would you? It's just a Coen Brothers movie starring Josh Brolin. I have seen it. I don't remember it, but I have seen it. Yeah, it wasn't their best work. Uh, anyway, no, Kaladin gives a line that is almost identical to that, but yeah, it's doesn't matter. It's, yeah. Okay. Uh, now we have a three-star break in the chapter where we switch POVs to Shallan. I mean Radiant. I mean Vale is trying to get kidnapped, I guess. <laughs> so so Shallan is trying... having all this uh, multiple personality stuff going on. Yeah, she but still is. it's a lot more cohesive than what was going on in Oathbringer. So, so I, I think this is definitely a sign of improvement for her. Right. She has each each of her aspects has a different strength and she's actually u- utilizing that strength and doesn't need to wait to become that identity. She's will she's easily swapping between her identities. And I also had a thought that I mean, well, you're going to see it as you continue with the bullet points. Sh- Shallan's personality and her identity seems deeper than Vale and Radiance. Like they seem to come and bubble up to the surface, but Shallan sort of has to struggle to get to the surface. But rather than saying that it's covered up and deeper, I think it's by her own choosing because of her past and what has happened. And instead, Radiant and Vale are sort of like her guards. Uh, to Shallan's personality like they're the ones you see on the surface that can deal with things day to day and they're sort of protecting Shallan's overall identity I can I can get behind that like again I think that she's definitely in like a much better place mentally than she was in Oathbringer because she isn't suppressing Shallan anymore yeah like Shallan is still there Shallan still makes decisions instead of in Oathbringer when it was all veil all the time or All radiant all the time or 300 people at once all the time. (laughs) I think maybe part of that is because of Adeline, since, you know, she she married him and I'm sure he's been pretty good. So maybe that has helped. Yep. Uh, All right. Next bullet point. Fruit shopping. She's at the market looking for some fruit, sort of. Co the face stealer. What? It's from Avatar. Dave would have gotten it. Yeah. Future Dave will get it eventually. It's on my to do list of things to rewatch. Uh, basically, Shallan is borrowing someone's face with with their consent. Yep. To be a merchant. She set herself to, up to be like a type of merchant. Yep. Uh, Sadius Warcamp has turned into the Urithiru Black Market. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Although apparently 
Sadius's uh, whatever her name is, Alile. Ile. She's uh doing some outright treasonous stuff, so we know she's not doing anything good with whatever's happening in this well, not the marketplace itself, but uh, it seemed to me that all the war camps had become like that, but uh, Sadius War Camp is worse. Probably because the Sadius War Camp was already that more or less beforehand. Yeah. Uh Shallan has a running gag with boots now. <laughs> <laughs> is it wasn't she like looking at boots after she walked away from the fruit stand or something i'm like yeah. hey boots 100 boots is 10 tens and that's terrible 10 10 tenable have you not seen the lex luther stealing pies or cake oh my gosh thing? yes i have <laughs> no, i remember that <laughs> oh it's so good i can't believe that's a real thing paperwork sucks let's go gambling so Vale hates doing paperwork, which is why Shalon can do it when she's actually up on the surface. But uh, Vale just wants to do some gambling. And this is this is the war camp to do that in because, you know, they allow it. Yep. Um, it Shalon slash Radiant uh, thinks that, like, this is a dangerous place for Vale to be because she likes all the things here. So they they can't afford to let her have too much control. So they have to be like there and ready to keep her on task. Uh, Shalon still has stuff to remember and admit to herself. It's true. She's still hiding something, which is why she sort of hides away. Well, Vale knows, though, and Vale's encouraging her to accept it. Yeah, Vale is sitting back like, hey, why don't we remember the traumatic thing? And Shalon's like, nope, nope, nope. And Shalon goes away, and then Vale has to do the accounts. Well, that'll teach Vale to ever think that again. Uh, finally, good news, everyone. The wine is drugged. She's so, poisoned. Yeah, she got poisoned. She's like, why am I being intoxicated? Wait a minute. This is stronger than expected. And she almost counters it with some stormlight, but then decides not to. Because this was all part of the plan. By the way, she's trying to infiltrate the Sons of Honor at this point. Uh, she's trying to get kidnapped by the Sons of Honor. Right. We think. That's who she name drops. It could be an entirely separate group that she doesn't know about doing the kidnapping. We don't know really anything about this yet. Now, is she trying to do this for the Knights Radiant and, and Dalinar's crew, or is she trying to do this for the Ghost Plots? Uh, she has Adolin and some troops that are mentioned that are supposed to be following her. Sure. So they're involved, at least. Whether they know why they're involved or not, we don't know yet. Yeah. Um, all right. Next chapter break, which still in the same chapter. Just we've we've We're jumping back to Kaladin and Sylphrena. Uh, Syl doesn't understand insomnia. Neither do I, because her points make a lot of sense. They don't really help me get to sleep some nights, though. Hmm, true. Insomnia is, is a terrible thing, and there's no explanation. Yeah, like her, her argument, her logical argument that totally makes sense is, you've been sleeping your whole life. Why aren't you better at it? I wish I knew. Yeah, man. Like, I don't know. I should be. You're right. And Calvin doesn't even have computers. Uh, all right, next bullet point. Stormlight, episode one, The Phantom Pain. <laughs> what? Uh, okay. Kaladin, yes. Kaladin feels some phantom pain in his neck where he was stabbed and had his spine severed a bunch of times. Ah, uh, yes, that in particular. Which is a thing that happened during the really long fight scene that didn't have any, like, good info in it. Sure. Uh, Sill's Kaladin voice well, is on. spot on. That that is good info about how fast they can actually heal themselves with stormlight. But I don't think it's new info, is it? It's not new, but it is 
good to sort of quantify it. And like it's been a year since the end of Words of Radiance, so it would make sense for Kaladin to be better at things. Like he's had a lot he more time use to practice. A lot. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Sill's Kaladin voice is spot on. <laughs> so she imitates Kaladin, uh, I guess, commanding his troops uh, in, in of course, a very Sill way. But she's like, my voice doesn't sound like that when he hears it. No, we're we're getting up early to practice glaring at each other, and I'm banning. I know. Toes. I like that. <laughs> she uh, says some things that definitely Kaladin has said. Totally. Six against one wasn't a fair fight before Kaladin started breathing in Stormlight. Yeah, he was really good with the spear. So he, yeah. the um, singers decide to fight him rather than run off because they're, they're part Alethi-ish. Well, uh, specifically, Alethi these singers were ones that traveled in with uh, Mr. Teleporting Naked Man guy. Yeah. And Kaladin thinks to himself that like he, he has lost some level of respect for that guy because these these singers attacked him instead of doing the smart thing and accepting the loss and moving on. Yes. Uh, baby time. So this is Calden's baby brother who um recognizes him, which, by the way, the fact that his baby brother isn't scared of him either says Calden frequently visits his his uh, parents, well, his mom and his baby brother, or he just really likes Syl because Syl is such a good impression on him or some combination. Because when if, I interact with like my nieces as babies, they are scared of me if they haven't seen me in a month or two. Like they're like, who is this weird guy until they like come around again? So he's got to be there very often or his mom's always talking about him and the stuff he's doing. So that way he has positive memories of Calvin is what I'm saying. Yeah, I can get behind that. Uh, all right. Next up. I misspelled Hesina, or it autocorrected to Hessian. <laughs> Not super sure which one happened, but, but that's what I got. Uh, Hessian asks questions. Kaladin doesn't answer them. Sylphrena does. This is such a mom thing. Like, my mom will ask my wife questions about my life because I don't necessarily answer them. Yeah, is... I hate it. I hate it when this happens. I hate it so much. I'm right there. <laughs> You could at least let me leave the room first. <laughs> so Syl and Hasina have a little conversation about Kaladin and his love life. Uh, and well, how he is in general. On that note, Kaladin sulked for two weeks after Lynn broke up with him. He should have asked Adolin for pointers on that front. <laughs> wow. I don't know, though. Adolin, I think, did a fair share of breaking up himself. He didn't necessarily was. I don't know. Own. Every everyone we saw, it was it was him getting dumped, and he took it super well. Yeah, because he always he was already looking at some other girl, like he was already interested in growing bored with his current girlfriend. So that would be his advice to Kaladin: is go find someone else immediately. I'm a little sad with that we're not seeing the relationship between Kaladin and Lynn. Like it's just name dropped, and it's in the past. I mean, we also didn't see Kaladin's relationship with. What's her name who hasn't actually been on screen yet? Yeah, but that's okay because that happened before Way of Kings. Whereas this is in between books, and it's like, well, but we're did stuff. I'm sure we'll get more before too long. Okay, then that's fair. Uh, something big is coming. No, uh, that's he warns the his father that something big's gonna happen, which is just more fuse are gonna show up, or uh, unless you're talking about. When the airship thing pops up. Yeah, he was talking about the airship, but okay. he was very vague about it. Uh, now that your country has been conquered, we're here to help. 
Yeah, that's what them talking, him talking to the Herdazians. Yep, and and him thinking about like, you know, we should have helped back when yep. back when like the the Alethi singers started invading, but we didn't because we figured they'd crush you. And then you kept going for way longer than anybody thought you would, so we thought it was a lost cause, so we still didn't help. But now we're here. You're welcome. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I'm like, this is not the greatest thing that you can actually say. So, uh, good luck, guys. Yeah. Dal- Dalinar has some making up to do if he wants to get the Herdazians on on his side, I think. Uh, the Mink is confirmed as a new member of the Rag Turner into Order of the Knights Radiant. So he can just hide him? Like, he, he disappears by um, making a dummy of himself covered in rags so he can sneak away. That's just what he does. But Kaladin assumes that he can just turn into rags, because... That's fair. Honestly, why wouldn't he? That makes more sense than setting up a dummy. We don't even know about the Surge. It's the Uh, 11th Surge! No, he's he's a Farouknist. He's a slider. That's true, maybe. Sliders. Uh, Kaladin is still unhappy at being a Light Eyes. Yeah, he's accepted that people are going to call him a Bright Lord, but, you know, he still has a chip on his shoulder about it. Uh, Kaladin is bad at sneakiness. Is it because he doesn't know how to be sneaky? Uh, he got because... spotted on his way in, which caused the fuse to show up and start looking for him. Right. Basically, all the things that we already said in the previous thing about Kaladin being a really bad spy, he's a yeah. bad spy. Yes, true. Uh, if you won't leave without Hearthstone, then we're bringing Hearthstone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, well, I want my dad to be safe in Earth Hero. I gotta take all of the people. Something big is here. It's the airship. It has arrived. All right. Uh, do we want to go any anything else now that chapter two is over? Or do you feel like I have we some points? Um, so I thought it interesting that the heavenly ones would go for single combat when Kaladin would challenge him. I don't know if it's because specifically that Kaladin is a wind runner and they feel challenged by someone who has similar abilities or the heavenly ones just happen to be ones that will respect a challenge unknown at this point. Um, I did think it was interesting that they mentioned a sharp blade can cut Sprint, but it does not fully, like, permanently kill them. We remember in Oathbringer, uh, Kaladin uses Sill to, like, kill one of the, I don't know, one of the, I forget what it is, a Rot Sprint or something that was attacking the, the baby, Alucard baby. And she's like, that was awful, but it doesn't permanently kill the Sprint. They will still reform eventually. Um, and... It did appear that this teleportation fuse reminds me a bit of the Els Caller, and it's mentioned in the text itself because they leave behind a stone body of themselves. So it looks like they're they're shaping their bodies and using the lightning to to transport and recreating their own body. But the, the fact that they're leaving behind a stone body says they're doing some kind of weird shaping. That is that is something that both uh, Yasna and Shalon can do. That's why I'm like, maybe they're similar to else callers. Maybe they do have access to the two similar surges. I don't know. Um, All right. I have more. Then tell me more. This one, I have a lot. Chapter two, I have a lot. There's not much in chapter three. Chapter Um, two was really long. It was. Shallan needs to be the one who captures memories, which I found interesting. And just as a reminder, when she takes the little mental snapshots, she's from what I can tell, she's looking into the identity of a person or a thing, whatever it is she's capturing a memory of. But specifically, Shallan can do that, not Veil vale or Radiant. This is a Shallan thing, which is very interesting. 
that that's tied to her Shalon identity. Um, and uh, that's actually it. That's all I had. Okay. Tori? I don't have anything else. All right. Chapter three. Larkins caused the destruction of Iamia, I guess. So it's mentioned in Navani's little lecture at the beginning that Larkins were used to drain gemstones. Because you have to remove Stormlight from a gemstone, which you can't really do without a Radiant. But you could use it with this type of creature called a Larkin, a, a Kremlin specifically. It's a type of Kremlin, and we know that Emeans are made up of Kremlin. Dicean Emeans, specifically. Yes, yes. Not the so other kind. They used to be used to remove Stormlight in order to create Fabrials, but they, of course, lost that because it seems like Larkins don't exist anymore during the uh Except we, have, we know of one. Well, we know of a Dicean Emean. We don't know if he's made up of Larkins. We know of a Larkin. Right, oh. Reason has one. Yeah, that's true. Good point. She does have one. All right. Giant flying platform, not OSHA compliant. <laughs> they have railings. The railings aren't mentioned until later, and I've got a, a, a bullet point for that. Okay. Just that's Navani's just leaning like out over the edge. And, they're, they're just out yeah. in the open. You're like, there's, there's nothing to hold on to. Yep. Right, and that poor scribe is like, are you sure you won't consider standing over here? Valat is a capybara. Valat? That's the name oh, Valat, of the, the, the scribe. That's the yeah. name of the ardent. And capybaras yeah. in the animal world are mom-shaped. Oh, she tries to mother everyone. That's why. Okay, I gotcha. Uh, it's, not the fil- it's not the fall that kills you. It's being nagged by an ardent. <laughs> Well, so normally the quote is, it's not the fall that kills you, but when you hit the ground or something, right? It's the ground. Yeah, it's it's the, the sudden stop at the end. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, she's just thinking that she has to listen to the nagging of the Ardent instead. Never mind. The giant flying platform is OSHA compliant. It has railings. It you finally mentioned railings. railings. Yeah. Yep. Uh, lots of details about how the platform works. Dude, I love this like particular scene, at least in the beginning. Navani is so so happy and especially after we had that prologue and i was just angry it's nice to see navani being happy and in her element here she deserves everything nice and good it's true of course aluminum is involved (laughs) well so now that they're aware that uh, aluminum can block span reads they were sort of able to finagle some way to get the this this airship is weird like i wouldn't expect it to work this way because i knew she was working with floating platforms back in what way of kings i think it was um, um words of radiance and into oathbringer so this one is working in a similar technology uh, as uh the the span reads where span reads are actually two gem halves that are they're sort of uh, hold on I, I wrote the word now i'm forgetting it they are entangled these are gem halves that are entangled with each other such that if you affect one moves the other so she has done that with a ton of gemstones that are attached to the platform which basically makes it fly but it's not really flying so much as it's lifted by something over an urethro and then you have to play games with aluminum by breaking the connection and moving the shoals that are actually moving the the, the platform or gemstones or whatever it is and then putting removing the aluminum so that way they're rejoined and then you can you can make things fly. You can keep it moving without having to walk chills off of a cliff. Yes, exactly. So in short, it's because chills are moving gemstones that are in a that it the platform is moving. And you play games with aluminum to move which way the direction 
uh, the direction the trolls are facing so you can constantly move the platform and not walk them off a cliff. I believe the chills are in the Shattered Plains, but yes, other than that, yes. Sure. I thought it was mentioned it was linked to Erythra, that's why I said that, but... Well, the Shattered Plains are the best access point to Erythiru, but... That's true. Yeah. Uh, next up, High Marshal Kaladin, Sky Marshal Navani. <laughs> uh, is that their... Is that our titles we're going to use for them? Uh, well, Kaladin is officially a High Marshal, a High Marshal, that is his current rank. Yeah. Uh, which is... Which is a fun thing, because the last High Marshal we knew about was Amaram, and that didn't work out well. Yes, so it's good that Kaladin is recognized as the High Marshal. But it's Navani's boat, so... It is Navani's boat. So, therefore, she is a Sky Marshal. Yeah. Uh, next up, a dozen Edge Dancers. Yeah, we got a whole group of Edge Dancers that come out. Like, we knew of one. We have a bunch now. It All right, has so been a year. It's been a year. We've already seen the process that most of the uh, Orders of Knights Radiant use to expand their ranks uh, yeah. by way of the Windrunners, which is first you have one that gets bonded, then they develop connections with different people who become their squires, which then more spren come and bond more people. We've already seen that process. We don't need to go over it again. So with the time skip, we can just have more. What? what? There's a but. Okay, there's also the rest of my sentence that I was in the middle of, of saying. I know, continue. If you knew, then you shouldn't have interrupted. Just go. Stop interrupting people. I can't, you pause, so I think I can talk. Just go. Seriously, just go. I don't remember the rest of the sentence now. The, uh, you didn't want to go over, re-go over how squires form into radiant. And th therefore time has passed, and so we can just assume it happens. So Craig, tell me about your extremely important but that you had to interrupt me for. Okay, in our that that's that's fine. Like that's the natural process of how radiance probably came about. But we have some very particular instances here of differences with the night uh, radiant order. Number one, I'm not sure if Lyft even had squires. She doesn't. If she did, it would have been her thief friends. Yeah, she doesn't seem like the squire taking type. Right. So therefore, that means there's other cultivation spren. Maybe because Wendell was actually successful in bonding with Lyft, that they decided to also um, bond with their own people, and they chose other people for, for Edge Dancers. So it might just be unrelated. They're not squires. There were some other, maybe it was just one other Edge Dancer that was chosen, and he or, or she had squires that we see. So it goes along. The second thing is Kaladin, we know... Uh, that that is happening. He has squires, and we had some nice radiance popping up from it. But I do want to point out that the um, honor sprint that start bonding with them are they still don't like Syl for whatever reason. Like there's still something else that's going on there. Uh, maybe because Syl is one of the old honor sprint, and they're all newer type. They are bonding. We know that. We we see that, especially with Tef. Um, so that's probably what's happening. But it is important to note that. Uh, the honor spren that are bonding there don't necessarily see eye to eye with Cell. Poor Lyft has begun teenaging. Yeah, she grew like a foot and she's all awkward and stuff. And tripping despite, over rocks and things. Despite her request to never change. Uh, five knots is impressive. Flying is also impressive. Yeah, I like how he just kind of throws that out. Yeah, and I, I sort of wish they would say, you realize you're traveling in a straight line over land masses. Like, Going five knots in a direct line is so much better than going 
whatever the equivalent is on the ground up hills and winding you know roads and such i mean even even seafaring vessels on uh, on roshar uh they have to stick to like they have to stick to the shoreline basically mm-hmm, true because like a the the seafaring technology hasn't had a chance to really advance very much because why would you like why would you ever build a better ship when you still can't leave sight of land like yeah. right um and then and, yes. and also uh you have waves that they're going up and down so e- even if it's a straight line it's still up and down straight line yep so yeah uh next up Lyran Stormblast uh wait real, real quick related to the ship and it traveling i wonder what they do during high storms they find a sheltered cove no no the the, the airship oh uh, i believe they land don't they i don't know I or don't maybe think maybe they're able to go up high enough that they're out of the high storm. I, I was just sort of curious. I don't, like I don't think it said. Okay, so what was your next bullet point? Liren Stormblessed. So uh, the name of Kaladin, his family name is now Stormblessed because, you know, he's actually a, a lord now. He's a light-eyes lord. And maybe Liren would use that same name. He's like, what? What are you calling me? When Dalnar calls him Liren Stormblessed. Yeah, apparently Kaladin hasn't even told him yet. Mm. Don't tell your parents. It's a little interesting. Oh, I'm pretty sure he told Hasina. He just hasn't told Liren. Yeah, they, it's. I, I like how it's described here that we're getting an outside perspective on Kaladin and Liren because we've only seen Liren from Kaladin's perspective. And they have some similarities in their personality and the way they look at things that that. I think is why there's so much tension between the two. It's it's a father and son thing in this instance. I I also want to mention that uh, I don't know that he would have told Hisina because remember from Kaladin's point of view, being a lord, being a bright eyes is is not mm. the best thing. Like he might be feeling a little ashamed of it. Um, yeah. So he he might not have told either of them. And I guess Syl wouldn't have told Hisina because Syl wouldn't have thought it was important. Yeah. That's that's fair. Uh, why do surgery when you can just magic people better? Yeah, I don't. So they they Liren was looking at the applications to try to heal people with this floating sky airship, and it's sort of like, but we can just drop down edge dancers who also have the the growth surge that can heal people. Yeah, Dalinar's like, I like where your mind is, but we could do it better. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel. I mean. I still feel like you need surgeons. You need people who understand medicine. You're not always going to have magic healing. And especially you can take care of more people by having skilled surgeons around as well. Like for a battlefield, sure, edge dancers are great. But for like city people and stuff, you don't want to just have edge dancers sitting around healing people. But it, it is, I think, Liren is sort of seeing like the death of his industry sort of thing. On the topic of not always having magic to go around, Stormlight Printer go brrr. Oh my gosh, that was... I, like, he did that? So this is Dalinar fills Kaladin's spheres by doing a little something through the cognitive... Not, and the not just the spheres, but Kaladin too. That's true. Yeah, he, he <laughs> summoned totally, a very, very oh small God. perpendicularity for just a moment. That is incredible that Dalinar can just do this now. He's, oh my gosh, like the implications, guys, the implications. I have some things to say about this later after your bullet points. We've been working on this for months and she just, she tweeted it out. Is this about Navani's airship? This is about Navani talking about the sibling. 
Oh, right. She just name drops that uh, the sibling was related to Arethru. It seems to be slumbering. And we think that if it can be unslumbered, hey, maybe Arethru will work again. Sounds like yeah. our spoiler chat. This thing that like we, I didn't know was a thing until someone else told me. And then I went digging and there's like no information. So it's all speculation. And then just, no, nope, she just says it, just says it outright. I like how we have the first few chapters here that are sort of confirming all of these theories that were bouncing around. Uh, Dalinar gets called out. Um, which which part? Showing up and being like, oh, hey, you're that warlord who totally wrecked my people once. Mm. You're that warlord who spent most of his life murdering my people. Yeah. Yep. He do, he says it flat out to Dalinar. Yeah, and he's like, and Dalinar's like, yeah, well, we had some differences, and the Mink's like, oh, yeah, see, my Alefi's not good. I, I I thought we were talking about raping and murdering. Yeah, and then, like finishing out the chapter, we have incoming. So the this is where incoming. the fused are showing up. But Kaladin has a bunch of Windrunners with him. There are edge dancers on the ship. I don't know how much help they're going to be in a in a flying fight, but. They're there. Well, they can fight. Not all the fuse will be flying. The fuse we were told about were flyers. Uh, yes. Um, also, I I'm really liking this general, the mink character. I mean, uh, I, I liked him now that I realize it's the same character from the interlude way back in, what was it? Oathbringer? In Oathbringer, like yeah. Interlude 10 or something. And he, I like his sense of humor and just the way he talks and about things. So it's, it's good that we have someone like that to call down or out. Uh, he strikes me as Brandon doing a what if Matt Cawthon got to be 50 from Wheel of Time. Matt Cawthon. I will leave Tori to react to that. Yeah, I could see it. So I have a few things about this chapter. Um, first, can they use Radiance to capture a sprint in a gemstone? I imagine because it's it's mentioned that you have to remove the stormlight from a gem. Can a Radiant do that? I imagine the answer is yes. But will that scare away the sprint when they do that? I don't know. Well, I think at that point it would be too late for the sprint because the stormlight going away is what captures them, if oh, I understood yeah. it correctly. Okay. Um, I am sort of questioning how the platform works. They mention how they use aluminum to disjoin the the quantum type entangling that the gemstones have. Why doesn't the platform drop the moment you cut the connection? Uh, because they're not cutting the vertical connection. They're cutting the horizontal connection to turn the chols around. So so we have two separate ones. We have a vertical and we have a horizontal. You'd have to. Hmm. Okay. That might. Okay. Maybe. And then presumably there's like on a different plateau, there's a bunch of chols with like this giant pulley system for the for the vertical. Like, portion. I'm just not sure you can like you have a gemstone. It's not like one's vertical, one's horizontal. They use it in such a way. but. It's still, it's just these gemstones are linked together. Like a spannery, they're linked together. So I feel like if you move them, so maybe it's a vertical, like it's used for vertical. But if it starts moving horizontally, because that's what it's doing when the airship is flying, then it's going to move as well in the horizontal. Except we've seen, we've already seen with span reads that you can turn this so that it's only one way. So like you moving the, the span read mm. on your end moves it on their end but not necessarily like the other way around until you flip a switch. Okay. So they're basically what they're doing is for the vertical ones. They're one way to like, we, 
we already know you can you can break and recreate a connection because again that's how span reads work. Those right. Are, those are established. So I, yeah. I, I want I want more info. I, I want to see more of it in action. I think. I'm certain you will, but I don't feel like I need more. I feel like I understand it with this. Um, Navani is a general of scholars. Like she's sort of remarking how Dalinar is a general, and then when when the plane is in motion, he can sort of sit back and just watch it unfold. And Navani basically does the same thing. She's essentially a general of scholars. But most importantly, a general does not necessarily mean you are also not a, a capable fighter. Dalinar clearly is a capable fighter, which means Navani is also a scholar, even if she's a general of the scholars. So Hamija in our Discord uh, says you probably have six um, types, basically. Not, not just six gems, but like six types of multiple copies of each all over the platform. Uh, for forward, sideways, vertical, pitch, roll, and yaw. Well, at least maybe eventually we'll get those. And then I don't think we have them yet. And then you don't need roll because that'd be bad. <laughs> maybe I mean for for a barge type thing, sure. Like I feel like you can you can just apply more vertical to stabilize, uh, and and then you don't need roll because you don't ever want to use roll with that platform. Also, how cool is it is that they built this around the bridge four bridge? Like it's incorporated as part of the airship and is now the fourth bridge, which is an extension of bridge four. And all the wind runners before they take off have a little a little ceremony. Uh, ritual. ceremony ritual. Yeah, before before they leave, they just they kneel down, they touch it, and it's then very they touching. So uh, when when Dalinar actually does his storm like a printer goes. Rrr, um, she she feels like she can see a little bit into Shadesmar. Now, my question is, we, we know Yasna can also see it because she's documented it, which is fine because she's a radiant. Is this because is this everyone notices this or is this specifically Navani because she might be coming a radiant that she can sort of get this little glimpse of Shadesmar when when Dalinar does this thing? I had that same question. Um, considering that I'm pretty sure she's going to bond sibling by the end of the book, and we don't know where or what condition sibling is in yet, I'm going to lean toward anybody could see it if they're looking for it, because Dalinar is is summoning a tiny perpendicularity for a few seconds. Okay. Um, secondly, related to this, um, I believe that if someone, not necessarily Navani, but it's going to be Navani, come on, uh, bonds the sibling becomes another bondsmith. Uh, I would suspect that they would not have the same ability as Dalinar here in being able to print Stormlight. I think this is specifically because he has bonded the Stormfather. I agree. So the the other bondsmiths related to the Night Watcher and the sibling will have different inherent abilities, which well, is actually on, really. Though. Hang on, because they talk about the uh, pillar that powers Irithrite. Erythiru, and yeah. how Dalinar cannot charge it. Yep. So if whoever bonds the sibling is supposed to be able to charge it, then they would also have access to the Stormlight. Well, or maybe they're doing it in a different way. Dalinar can't put Stormlight into it. There needs to be some other type of connection that happens in order to power Erythiru. Okay, so I hold don't on. Think... Let's, let's back up slightly. Okay. Dalinar tried, and it didn't take Stormlight. Probably because the sibling, there's something wrong with the sibling and needs to be bonded. Once that happens, I think Dalinar could try it again and it would work that time. 
Oh, maybe. Because at the moment, the tower is dead. And yeah. Dalinar was trying to basically do the uh, the electric paddles to shock it back. But right. you can't start a dead heart with that. It's, Every it's medical drama ever. It's it's the same thing with shard blades, because you can't just pump it full of stormlight and it awakens. Otherwise, we'd have Maya. It's not that easy. So, yeah, I think I think the tower needs its soul back, which is the sibling, which okay. means it needs to be bonded, which means that that's Navani's job, this book. So, again, I don't think it, they necessarily will have the same abilities as a bondsmith, though. It might be unique, like each bondsmith is unique and it's related to which major spren they actually bond to which is actually curious because what would if that's the case what would the night watchers bond smith be able to do considering we've seen the night watcher does boons and curses are they going to get something similar as a bondsmith i would think so and i also think that's going to be teravangian and oh god i think Liren is going to become either an edge dancer or a truth watcher huh then then i'm some guesses right there some theories but yeah, okay. uh, Dalinar for Storm, um, Stormfather, Navani for Sibling, Teravangian for um, Nightmother, because... Nightmother, not Nightwatcher. Yeah. Yeah. Names mm. are hard. Anyway, yeah, he, uh, he has the strongest connection to her that of anyone that I'm aware of. I guess. I mean, except when he went there, he, he was given his boon slash... Well, he was given his ability from Cultivation, not from the Nightmother. We we need someone who has a specific bond to Nightmother herself, not cultivation. So I'm not convinced it's Teravangian. But it would make it would make for such a better story if Teravangian yeah. also has like the same equivalent rank as Dalinar now moving I, forward. I, I would agree with that, sure. And I'm not saying it's not possible, I'm just I'm not convinced. I need to see more Teravangian stuff before I I agree or disagree, I think. I'd also like to see Dalinar's squires, because I assume he has some at this point, and I have some should, yeah. some thoughts as to who that should be. Uh, specifically, uh, the Kadash, the one Ardent who mm -hmm, fought mm -hmm. against him, basically, for all of Oathbringer, mm -hmm. and uh, Queen Fen's son, who picked a fight with him, also yep. in Oathbringer. I, I, I feel like those two are the most likely squires for Dalinar right now. Um, Something to think about here with... with... And and uh, this is something to keep an eye out for for Kaladin. Like his squires, as far as we know, they all become windrunners. But maybe that's not the case. Like especially if Rock becomes like a, a stone a stone warden. Um, if that's the case, if Navani is a squire to Dalinar, but she ends up you know becoming a different. Well, she I guess a bondsmith. It would be the same. But yeah, the whole point is, can you have different knights radiance as squires to different orders? I think we've at least been told that you can bond with multiple sprint, but you won't necessarily be able to do all five of deals. If that's the case, if you, if you do um, dual class, I'm just speculating here. All right. Uh, I think we should go ahead and end it for the day. Yep. And we are running up hours. on two hours and I promised Tori that we wouldn't. So I lied. I'm sorry, Tori. Yep. It's okay. All right. So more bye, everybody. Good night, bye. Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.